Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined by college basketball's all-time career assist king, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, we got through maybe the best weekend of Elite Eight basketball we've ever seen. <laughs> it was a good one. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, before we get started, y'all, we'd like for you to please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We are also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And if you're listening to this on the media player on 247sports.com, hover over that subscribe button. You'll see a, a list of icons you can choose. Choose the way you want to listen to us. Click it, and you'll, you'll be good from there. All right, Jerry, let's get going. Uh, ridiculous weekend of Elite Eight action. I'll read off the scores really quickly. Texas Tech 75, Gonzaga 69. Virginia 80, Purdue 75 in overtime. Auburn 77, Kentucky 71, also in overtime. And then, of course, Michigan State 68, Duke 67. As we look at all of these games and then kind of jump ahead to the Final Four in Minneapolis, I don't want to spend too much time on Saturdays because they feel like not as recent. Because they're not. <laughs> yeah. hey, a lot's happened since then. Uh, but it was a case of two overpowering defenses doing their thing. Texas Tech has the number one defense in the country. Per Ken Palm, Virginia's is fifth. Jerry, we've talked about point guard play, experience, coaching. Those are the cliche necessities for a deep March Madness run. But defense still wins you championships. And I feel like if you weren't tanking Texas, Texas Tech seriously before this week, and shame on you, and you probably are now. <laughs> we, we tried to warn people, didn't we? <clears throat> we did bring up Texas Tech. Um, man, you got to have offense. You have to have defense. And I know we've always said defense wins championships. I don't. I think that's correct, but so does offense. So I, I think we see teams, and not just the teams that won this weekend, but they're teams that are very good offensively and they're very good defensively. But defense does. It's that stabilizer, you know. Sometimes shots don't fall. Uh, sometimes, you know, think the plays aren't quite working. Maybe a team, as you scouted well, guy has an off game. But you, the idea from a coach's perspective is you can always control your effort. And defense is very much an effort thing. So you may not be shooting well, but you should always be able to play defense. So that it's a, it's a standard. It carries a team through, say, turbulent times in other areas of the game. I was going to ask, when you look at Chris Beard's teams, they obviously play it slow. And their defenses are incredible, Jerry. Is that, so is that more of a scheme? Or an effort thing, like uh, it's, it's 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 both. Okay, and um, it's talent. <laughs> they got guys who could play D. A lot of intelligence on the court, and that scheme, and that's training, and um, and of course effort. And the, and the effort is mental and physical. I mean, watching the, I was so impressed with a lot of the defense I saw <clears throat> this weekend. I thought, I think Kentucky became a very good def defensive team. Um, Auburn, as most people note, their defense, you know, it's exciting. It's its aggressive, but just uh, Michigan State, such great team defense. Uh, and then Texas Tech, I guess those are the ones that really stand out to me just when looking at defense. I, I have another defense question. Yeah. When we, when we look at high school players, unless it's like, oh, he's a prolific shot blocker, it's hard to hear much about their defense. Like, we don't right. get that, especially if you're like me and you just, okay, I'm just going to look at the stats. When you're scouting somebody, what are you looking for or what maybe do you see that maybe tells you this kid, other than playing with great energy, could be 
an elite defensive player in college outside of shot yeah. blocking. There, there are physical components anyone's going to need, you know, quickness, length, I think strength. I think basketball is – strength is so important, as is quickness, probably less on the length unless you are in one of the – you know, it helps, longer, better. But, you know, intelligence. Uh, a player who, you know, we've talked about with Zion, his awareness on defense, his engagement, and then his anticipation. Well, it, there is a basketball IQ to playing defense. And, you know, it's, it's kind of all tied together with, you know, does he have heart? Does he have intelligence? Will he give the effort? Part of, you know, giving effort, I think, is tied into intelligence. Um, but I, you look for that, and you can watch a guy play and see if he's guarding people. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're watching him in competition. But say, say a guy plays for a team that plays a lot of zone. You're scouting him. You don't feel like you get a great opportunity or context to evaluate his defense. You're looking at the physical components. And then I'm looking at, you know, what type of basketball IQ does this guy have? And then obviously the motor. Virginia is the only number one seed left. Uh, and they were the one with the worst national title odds before the tournament began. Yeah. They just keep surviving, it feels like. They yeah. survived Carson Edwards, and I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing performance by Edwards. Yeah, I mean, Virginia's good. And, they you know, they have experience. They know what they want to do. They have their system. <clears throat> they have an identity. And they, that team's fully embraced it. And they're just a very good team. I mean, a lot of, a lot of this is survival. You know, it's, it's not easy to win. <laughs> and it's one possession can change everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Auburn. They're, they're, they could very easily have lost their first game against New Mexico State. You know, you're, you're on, it's, a, it's a razor's edge. It was – that Virginia game was – Ridiculous. Well, yeah, Carson Edwards, that's one of the better performances it's kind of like a I've ever seen. That was exciting. <laughs> that guy was drilling. Did not like the last play. Um, is Carson Edwards an NBA yeah. guy? Well, he certainly is offensively. I thought his defense was not very good. He's, you know, he's guarding, he was guarding Kyle Guy when Kyle Guy exploded mm. in the second half. Doesn't have a great presence defensively. But, yeah, I think he's an NBA player. I mean, anyone can do that. I mean, it's what people have to remember is these are the guys that are going to be NBA players. You follow me? Now, in other words, if, if you're – that's I'll take it two steps. Let's talk Jared um, Harper for Auburn. Mm. So, a lot of people are like, you know, he, he was ranked top 100, but not that high. He's so small. You know, can he do it at the next level? Like I'm talking when he's in high school. He's playing AAU for the Georgia Stars. Well, they win, they win the Nike National Championship. Jared Harvard, Harper is the best player on the court in that championship game to win the national title. Well, he's playing against all a bunch of dudes who are top 100 that are going to be stars in college. So if he's, if he's busting them up in AAU, he's going to bust them up in college. You know, like the same guys. It's because it, when we're scouting and watching these elite players, they're going against elite players. So we get to the tournament here deep, man. There's a lot of pros out there, and guys that even if there aren't, if they're on, at least on the cusp of the NBA, might play overseas or whatever. But if if a dude's scoring 42 points, if Jared Harper is doing that, there's a very high chance that's going to translate. To the next level. Now, there obviously there are exceptions. You do find those guys always great score in college, but 
you know, for maybe physically doesn't have it. And people are going to question these short guards, uh, Tremont Waters. Personally, I would, I think they're going to be in the NBA and be pretty good. I'm not saying they're going to be all-stars. They're going to be starters. But they're, they're going to have an NBA career, in my opinion. Yeah, as we move to Auburn, Kentucky, Jared Harper, I wanted to talk to you about him. He's he's just so much fun to watch. Kind of easy to fall in love with his game. Yeah. It's easy to kind of fall in love with the entire, you know, what Auburn's doing, you know, bombing threes. They won me over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no question. They didn't even shoot it well from, from three-point yeah. range on Sunday, but neither did Kentucky. What – do you did you play against a lot of guys who were that much shorter than you? Um, uh, I hate I, yeah. Um, I didn't mind guys like that. <laughs> you know, I'm six two, six three, mm-hmm. so I was a t- taller guard, especially small college level. I played. Um, I I I hated guarding players like that. It was just too quick. You know, give me a guy more like me, six three, and just like his bro. okay speed. You know, like let me guard one of the Texas Tech guards. <laughs> Uh, very good players, but I felt more comfortable. Now, I didn't mind them guarding me. <clears throat> I liked a quick defender who was smaller because, one, my, my vision was above them. I felt like I could see more, and I would use their aggression against them. You know, I had a good – you know, you show them the ball and then cross them over. You know, you, you I, I felt like I could take advantage of their quickness. Now, I couldn't deal with it defensively. I, I didn't like the more steady, stable – type defender who had height i would rather not be guarded by him but anyway well that's uh, it it's yeah. interesting that you just said all of that because that is going to be jared harper versus ty jerome uh great segue yeah that is just so you know right and i don't know how to handicap uh these games <laughs> i have no idea what a contrast virginia versus auburn who gets the advantage i don't know you know, because it was me personally, I would be the Ty Jerome. Right. I would be like, oh, God. You know, I, he, there's a good, I, I think Clark will probably guard okay. Harper a lot. But nonetheless, I mean, that's, this is an interesting theoretical question. I would imagine Jerome's like, oh, man, I hope I don't have to guard that guy. But I bet offensively, he's like, oh, I hope he guards me because I'm just going to play over him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Harper, obviously you know, knows how to use the size to his advantage, understands angles. It was fun watching him uh, draw a foul. I think it was on P.J. Washington around center court where he just stopped. Yeah. Oh, that was a great play. Yeah. That's, that was a great play. He's such a smart player. Um, just to continue this tip on, like, smaller yeah. players, uh, you know, Carson Edwards um, throwing Tremont Waters. Right. Especially Tremont and Jared. Because Carson's more like a pull-up guy. You know, he wants to bust that three. They, those guys, but Carson uses his strength. What, the idea is sometimes it maybe is an advantage to be shorter. At least it seems to be for these guys because what they have is leverage. You know, their hips are lower than the defender's hips. They're getting down in there. It's hard to guard a guy beneath you. And just obviously excellent quickness and speed. But just the leverage they get, and also with their shorter size, I think I think it makes it. I think it's physics. I think it, you can change direction easier. I mean, because these guys, it's unbelievable. I mean, Tremont Waters had a play. He it was like he was zigzagging each dribble. He was zigzagging down the court, dribbling a ball, and he's going faster than anyone just running in a straight line. I mean, just un, un, incredible physical gifts, and it's not always. 
the end of everything if you're small. These are guys who have figured it out. And one constant with them all, they can really shoot. Yeah. <laughs> they can put it in the hole. Uh, Auburn, I, I think a lot of people maybe gave up on – well, I mean, they blasted North Carolina, but then, of course, they lose Chumo Kiki. Yeah. And we're like, all right, well, that was fun. <laughs> exactly. But it's not that over was yet. fun run by Auburn and then – And an, injury can, bring, an injury can bring a team together. I think that was clear. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it, 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 it can. And because of what they lost in the regular season with them, you know, so people are going to casual. No, it's just Auburn's very good. They're on a roll, but a team does bond and come together. There's a certain energy, um, you know, a bonding effect. I thought Auburn in general to, to have that injury, because that is a deflator. So give them a lot of credit for bonding and coming together and, and uh, working through it to get the win. Um and then they, they were down in that Kentucky game, and they looked lost at the beginning of the game. Yep. Kentucky was more crisp, coming up with the loose balls, just making the play. Auburn was making defensive mistakes. Kentucky really exploited them with the pick and roll in the middle of the court. And, man, I was like, I was I was scared it was going to be a blowout. It's just like, oh, man, they just don't look right. Right. But they didn't panic. And then Jared Harper got it going, but they didn't panic. They stay in the game. They start to iron things out. The defense was better in the second half, obviously. And then there was that point, like, I think Kentucky's maybe up five or so points for, and Auburn's defense went ballistic. There was just a cluster of turnovers and then conversions. I mean, Auburn just wears the team down. It's going to be so interesting to see how um, Virginia – handles their pressure you know do they exploit auburn or does auburn exploit them it's going to be back and forth yeah. you know, it's probably gonna be a close game but yeah kudos to auburn man i just thought they held it together and then they turned it on defensively and just really turned the game and then jared harper was huge as you talk about holding it together michigan state also had to weather the duke yeah. storm zion scores 10 straight no in doubt. the second half to start it but cassius winston gets a double double kenny goins shot of his life Matt McQuaid kind of has a few highlight plays. Well, dunk, I want to talk about that dunk. The dunk or like <laughs> I the, told my kids, greatest white boy dunk ever. <laughs> it was. And then he, oh, because it came out of nowhere. And he didn't square his, his shoulders to the to the rim. He kept him uh, square to the baseline. So it was almost like a hook dunk. Yeah. And he just put it right on that guy's well, head. And then he had like the 360 twirl. <laughs> that was a great play. What body control. I know. He's yeah, awesome. that, that was a special play. He had an outstanding game. He gave them something special. You know, we talk about this time of year, players either wilt or they blossom. Uh, we, that was a blossoming we saw right there with McQuaid. What else did you see from Michigan State? And, and we will be talking about, on the flip side, we will be talking about Kentucky's losses and Duke's losses after we take a, a break in a second. But what did you see from Michigan State? You know, Cassius Winston started off a little slow, but felt like he got control of the game going and then – and they're just tough to beat. They're yeah, so balanced. these great players, they don't panic. You know, as fans, you know, because I've played, I've coached, I've been a fan, I'm in the media now. We we focus so much on the score during the game. I mean, it's right there on the television. We're always tracking it, talking about the point spread. This, that, you know, you're you're so focused on the, those numbers. When you play basketball, you are not really. And that, oh no, right? You you focus possession, possession. Do what I'm supposed to do. We were always taught, my dad's big phrase and other coaches I had, you know, let the the scoreboard take care of itself. Forget about the scoreboard. You know, so it's process theory over product thinking. 
And, you know, and I'm sure Nick Saban saying that to the Alabama players. Because if you're, if you're f- focused on the score, that induces panic when things don't go well. You're focused, focused on the score and things are going well, it can lead to laziness. <laughs> you know, and like, oh, we got this. The, the idea is you compete each possession. Try to win every possession. Try to win each possession. Don't worry about the score. Now, you do have to an awareness of time and score. You know, these are kind of two different things. It's like I need to know the score as far as executing late in the game. Obviously, you need the shot clock on possessions. I mean, so, you know, there's awareness, but it's not an emotional type awareness. It's just an analytical, okay, those are the numbers. But you're not – that's not where your consciousness is. You're not focused on the score. You're focused on this, on, on the, the play at hand. Scoreboard does play a role in creating the context of how you attack that situation at hand. But you're, you're not focused on the scoreboard. That's why we see these teams. Well, Because look at the runs we've seen. I mean, it's amazing. You know, Tennessee-Iowa game was ridiculous. They <laughs> had two huge runs. But we see the back-and-forth runs. They're going to happen. You can't worry about the score. Basketball is a unique sport, and there are so many possessions in a game. So many scoring opportunities. What sport has scores that are like 85 to 80? I mean, basketball is very different in that regard. So you can't get caught up in a play. You just got to keep going to the next play, and you got to focus. Because if you can win those possessions, then the scoreboard takes care of itself. That's interesting because when I was down 25 at half to or Tennessee, the the people who are scoreboard watching are like they need a three they need a th-. you know they just right need it. no right but, uh, exactly but Iowa goes through half court three well, point sl- slows the game down great point because what you, you, you and you do the math and there's a time when okay we do need to change our style but not with 20 minutes left because Iowa's only chance is to be great at being Iowa find your identity who are we as a team let's get back to what we do and if you're scoreboard watching you're panicking that ain't gonna happen so I'm sh- I'm would be very certain Fran was saying in the locker room at halftime, look, don't worry about the score. You just make sure we have a great defensive possession, and then we have a great offensive possession. We execute what we want to do, and then we get ready for the next possession. And the next possession, play it possession by possession. Because the fact is, if Tennessee in one half can get up by 25, it can be done to them in another half. You know, if they can do it, why can't we do it? They're not that much better than us, but they were better than us because they did their thing. We didn't do our thing. We got to flip that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some fan panic in Lexington. (laughs) I like that term. Yeah, in Durham. (laughs) Fan panic. (laughs) Uh, What's going on with Coach K and John Calipari? We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Jerry, I've been itching to ask you for a – for since we started, but I've shown restraint – the best player in college basketball, Zion Williamson, goes one minute and 44 seconds. The last one minute and 44 seconds of his career without attempting a shot as Duke loses by one to Michigan State. How in the world does that happen? Yeah, um, well, one, Michigan State played great defense. And, you know, Duke did try to post Zion a couple times uh, and had poor entry passes. I'm just going to have to talk around this one. This is a Do loaded it. topic. Um you know, because I made a comment on Twitter, you know, how do you not post up Zion, you know, down the stretch? You know, and people, some responses were, you know, he's getting fouled, they're not calling it, or they did try to do it, it didn't work, you know, because they, they did try twice. I, I agree with that. But you, 
you got to post him up. You got to get him. Michigan State was playing great pack line defense. You know, so what Duke did pretty much is just let RJ go one on one, spread the court. One thing I don't like about that, Zion's not in a rebounding position. That didn't make sense to me. Do you recall the Duke Gonzaga game early in the year? And RJ Barrett got thwarted like three or four times down the stretch where they did. I just don't like it, man. I think Zion's your guy. But what I guess is that Coach K just has kind of made a commitment that at the end of games, we're putting the ball in RJ's hands and we're letting it be his game. Why, you know, that decision, I'm not sure. I mean, we could have conspiracy theories. (laughs) Ain't that tied back to his recruitment? Was a promise made? I doubt it. Um R.J. Barrett's a great player. Don't get me wrong. On most any team, it would be the no-brainer. Let's just let R.J. go. But Zion, yeah. I mean, he got, and he's probably going to get a foul call. I mean, just because it didn't work two times, okay, well, maybe let's try to enter the ball to the post at a different angle. If you remember those two passes, one was overthrown and one was underthrown, but it was, a, I mean, probably the same type play, but it was the same passing angle. Try a different wrinkle, man. Like, get – Get the ball down to the baseline. Set a cross screen for Zion. You know, get him under the defense, entry pass below the defense on the baseline. Get on the ball. I mean, be inventive. Duke just stood there on offense. Well, Michigan State wanted that. Michigan State might as well have been playing a 3-2 zone because they're packing in. They're going to get a, a, a late closeout on any type of pass. In other words, we're going to give you any pass you want on the perimeter, and then we're going to close out and guard you tough. But you're not going to be able to dribble through us. I think your chances are better posting Zion up and maybe even getting a high-low type feel or make the defense have to make a decision. You know, do we stick with Zion? Do we come out? I think you get a better shot versus just standing there and playing, you know, basically playground one-on-one ball, which is the irony. And Coach K is one of the greatest of all time. But even the greats make mistakes. I'm kind of labeling this a mistake. I think You know, I, I try to be very generous to coaches, being the son of one, and having coached. So I, I try to really try to think through their decisions because it's so easy when it doesn't work to criticize it. Then I see coaches make horrible decisions and it works out. A player makes a great shot. Do they become a great coach? No, you know. So we got to look through some things. But I I can't get my head around how Duke attacked at the end of this game, and I've seen it earlier in the year as well. Yeah, I mean, Coach K might say, "Well, R.J. Barrett got his two free throws." Uh, you know, obviously he he missed the first one and tried to miss the second one. He made that one. But, yeah, I, you know, if you're se- – so maybe they got the result they wanted, but it, if your season's on the line, how do you well, how do you not? But, I, but I did they get the result they wanted? They were up three and didn't get stops on, the, on defense and came away with empty possessions. What, one free throw during that whole stretch? You know, they make one free throw. The ball doesn't go inside. You don't have – I mean, stuff can work. Wow, they got one point. <laughs> well, it wasn't enough, so it didn't work. Touché. And, you know, it didn't work. But, you know, it's kind of like the scoreboard watching uh, philosophy concept we were talking about and or the don't watch the scoreboard. I think to be, you know, if we really want to be intelligent sport fans, yes, it is about wins and losses. Yes, it is about the numbers and the score. You know, at the end of the day, we're playing to win. But – you got to look deeper. So even say 
it worked. At, say he makes another free. Say he misses a free throw, they get the rebound. Oh, he was trying to miss. That's another time. I promise you, Zion was there, ready to rebound. Right. That was that was a crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the ball goes in, and you're like, "What? We got it. We we didn't need that." Um, I still don't like what they did. I mean, Duke can win that game, and I'm still shaking my head. That's that didn't seem like a good offensive approach in the last two minutes. The uh. The, the one other thing with, I mean, beyond the roster construction, and also they didn't Which even play. I think is, and we've talked about we've that. Ta- and, they, whoa, and it rears its ugly head, man. Dude, that team made no sense. You've, you've, if you're Duke, man, recruit a stud with every scholarship. <laughs> that would be my little bit of advice. Also, I felt like they had some good vibes going with Jordan Goldwire, who we talked about, and, and then he, he doesn't play, and then they get yeah. O'Connell and Jack White back in the game. Yeah, you know, must be, you know. And then I, if, I haven't analyzed that one. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, a good reason why he didn't. I don't know. But I did find that odd mm-hmm. that he got so little playing time. And then, of course, and it's and hard. And McConnell got just – he got shut down, what, after like three minutes? Yeah, he played like <laughs> he, two minutes. He didn't belong out there. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird way for, for that – Duke season to end, but maybe it was appropriate. I mean, they got so lucky in the other in the other few games. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna lose, man. It's 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 always a heartbreaker. <laughs> and if you're good when you get your se- when your season ends, uh, usually it's a close game, right. you know. And I might, I might be jumping into the Coach Cal talk here. No, please the do. People, I was- yeah, I want to segue. Yeah. Um. It you know only one team wins its last game in the tournament only everyone goes home sad every fan base goes home sad it is so hard to win a national championship i mean i repeat i saw like i couldn't be on twitter last night dude like i could feel the energy coming off my computer screen everyone taking their hot takes and oh he sucks as a coach i mean one little bounce of the ball then he's a great coach uh is people crying about or you know either criticizing or even Kentucky fans lamenting the fact that Cal's only won one national championship in 10 years. That don't sound that bad to me. (laughs) You know, do you realize how hard it is to win a national championship? These are not the days of John Wooden where you're going to ring them off, you know, championship after championship after championship. I I think it's a very difficult thing to do. Kentucky's gone. I mean, if I, I look at their results, you know, they've had, you know, NIT year and they got knocked out really early one time, but generally it's Elite Eight pretty much and maybe one Sweet 16 and then a runner up, a championship, a Final Four, like four Final Four appearances. I mean, I, I would take, I would take those results. I feel better about, like, I, I when the, when the Kentucky game ended, I, I, obviously the fans are upset because they lost, uh, you know, and, and, SEC opponent who they had blasted that season without one of its best players and yada yada. But you know, Coach K, I think was that was a more glaring issue. And then John, also John Calipari's roster construction just felt better than Duke. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they lost. A, they lost a tough game. They had a good team. Lost a yeah, tough game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> High expectations at Kentucky and Duke. Yeah, and that's a great thing. And they are storied great programs. And there is a momentum and a built-in greatness because of over the years um, you've, you've won, you know, so you're in, it's an attractive place for recruits. You're going to recruit well. They have recruited the best. Just because you get the best recruiting class, that doesn't necessarily put you in contention for a national championship. But, you know, it's a tough thing to do. But, uh, you know, we have, like, 
what I would ask is what coach would do better than those results. Yeah, I personally agree with you. I think Coach K deserves more criticism than Calipari. I, I saw some stuff like Cal just got so outcoached by Bruce Pearl. I, I didn't. I never once during the game felt like that. I mean, just uh, Auburn made the plays when they needed to, and they got the and they won the game. Their guys were a little better, you know. Yeah. There's so, only so much coaches can do, too. I mean, it's a player's game. I think coaches screw stuff up more often than they make it better. You know, like get the ball to your best player. <laughs> That's a good place to start for coaching strategy. Both teams have really interesting off-seasons and recruiting cycles coming up. In the next 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show, Jerry and I will be playing a little game called Stay or Go with Duke, Kentucky, and North Carolina as for what their stars should do regarding upcoming NBA decisions. Jerry, that was fun. Yeah, We'll be back great. soon. Thanks hey, for I want to yeah. give a shout-out to Rick Bird, okay. uh, the Belmont uh, University coach. Um, great guy. I played against him. Uh, my dad coached against him. Great competitor. Uh, great for the city of Nashville. Uh, retired this morning. Tremendous, tremendous coach. One of the best to coach the game. We're now with a really strong year, too. Oh, yeah. He's going to be playing some golf now. Good for him. All right. Until next time, guys. Thank you.